0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. Today is a big day for us. Mark and I, if you listened to us back in July on our poll release episode, you'll know that this poll that we have started doing every quarter is Mark's baby. And honestly, he's treating it like it's his own child. Like, (laughs) I don't know what you love more, this poll or Sloan. Um, But... (laughs) But we are back with poll results for our October poll. On this poll, if you remember back in July, we polled specifically favorability of the, the Tennessee legislature. We polled presidential election results, which were picked up by Fox News and countless other national and state um, media outlets. We polled education favorability. Do people think that we should have school choice? Which those numbers were absolutely massive astronomical off the chart. And we pulled some fun cultural issues like, did you stop drinking Bud Light after the big PR situation? Do you think that TikTok should be banned? This poll, I think, is even more fun than that. And we're going to dive into those results today because you will see that they just came out today. You'll find them all over our social media. You'll find them at beaconpoll.com but we're gonna talk about them for you and give you our thoughts on them. So we've got four big buckets that we wanna talk about with you guys. And if y'all are ready, three, two, one, let's go. If you have been living under a rock, you might not know this, but if you have been living in the real world in reality in Tennessee, you will know that there is a Senate election coming up next year. And our incumbent state senator, Marsha Blackburn, it has two main Democratic um, opponents in this election. What's interesting about this race is that they're all women. And, you know, people have talked about in pol- in politics over the last few years, as more and more women have risen to running in the presidential election, that we need to see more women. How cool is it to have women in politics? Well, you've got three women in this election right now, one Republican, two Democrats to speak of. Um, of course, there w- will always be other candidates. But the ones that we polled is Senator Blackburn's favorability against Marquita Bl- Bradshaw. Gosh, lots of bees here. Markita Bradshaw and sitting state representative who was a member of the Tennessee three, Gloria Johnson. Mark, let's dive into those results. And then I'll tell you guys what my big takeaway was of possible name recognition, either helping or hurting in this case.
1: Well, let me uh, correct you first. It's not favorability. So it's just head to head versus these people. Just there's a technical difference. I understand what you're okay. saying, just so people understand. Critics, yes, um, correct. Um, so this is really interesting because um, the the national and the statewide media has kind of run with this idea that you know, without question, Gloria Johnson is going to be the Democratic nominee. Like you said, she was a member, the third member of the Tennessee three. Um, she's gotten mm-hmm. some national attention in liberal circles for some of the things that she's done. Um, And what we found is that she trails Marsha Blackburn by 20 points among likely voters. So that's, I think, kind of about what's expected. Uh, There was a poll Mm -hmm. recently by Emerson, who's a great national pollster. They had her down 23 uh, to Marsha. So the 20 is about what's expected. If you do registered voters rather than likely voters, it actually drops to 17. But I don't think that's really much of a surprise to anybody. It's about where kind of, I think, people thought. Uh, I would note that 23% of people in that race are undecided, but- you know, even though, that's you know, a that big number it is. And it's, you know, I think that ultimately Glory Johnson would say, Oh, that's a good opportunity for me to pick up some points. It's possible, but those people tend to be moderate or they tend to lean conservative. And what's a really interesting number is that out of that group, 33% of those people actually plan to vote on Robert F. Kennedy for president. There's a lot of moderates Whoa. and maybe center right. So that's something that, you know, Glory Johnson would have to do in order to make this election really competitive. When She's got to Pull those moderates and even some of the kind of right leaning people because of the way Tennessee is now mm. the most interesting result is that yes Gloria Johnson that's about right Marquita Bradshaw who is actually an interesting candidate where she was the nominee for senate in 2020 it's Bill Haggerty she she lost pretty badly I think she lost by about 27 she's only down by 12 in a head-to-head race against Marsha Blackburn among likely voters. So that's a huge difference. That's eight points. And well, no. you'll see, she actually does better than Gloria Johnson among Republicans, among Democrats. And it, by the results, it's pretty clear that her name ID is actually higher that, than Gloria Johnson. Okay. Uh, only 17% of people are undecided in that race. Um, like Marsha Blackburn, the or, or like the first race, those people are going to be hard to get. They are. They tend oh, no. to be either moderate or conservative. Most of them are women. Um, so it's it's an interesting kind of conundrum where, like, if you look at the headline, Marshall Black was only up 12 of Marquita Bradshaw. If you look a little bit deeper, um, you know, even though it's 12 officially, uh, if the election was held, you know, say next week, it likely would be a lot more than 12 because of the, you know, political affiliations and previous voting records of the people who are undecided.
0: Yeah, what I thought was very interesting and, you know, when we're formulating these questions, we read over the questions and even though you try not to, you kind of make your predictions in your head. And so when I was reading over these questions, I was like, I was just thinking, Gloria Johnson's going to run away on Marquita Bradshaw. She's going to have so many more voters than Bradshaw. The gap is going to be so much tighter than the Bradshaw gap is. And then it wasn't. And the more I synthesized it, and started to think about it, I started to think, And read things on Twitter about how people are tired of Gloria Johnson getting all this publicity following the Tennessee 3 situation. It makes you wonder, is her name ID hurting her in this particular situation? You know, you talk about how a lot of these undecided votes are moderates, leading right, people who don't want attention that they might perceive as negative drawn to Tennessee because of actions of a few. And it makes me wonder if the name ID is hurting her in this situation. I don't know. I ain't got the bandwidth to run that kind of study. But it really does make you think about if all publicity is good publicity, I guess is kind of what I'm wondering. Like as a marketing person, I think that's I just think that part of it and that particular case study is really interesting.
1: Yeah, I would tend to think that's not the case, to be honest. Um, Not that, you know, and and I I think I may have agreed before, and I actually did expect Marquita Bradshaw to to do a little bit better than Gloria Johnson. I thought thought maybe by two or three. Eight was surprising. Um, Eight's huge. What I would say about this, and I think this is a big point that people forget, is a lot of people know Gloria Johnson in the know. So the people who follow politics, who follow that know Gloria Johnson. It's true. She's never run statewide before. Marquita Bradshaw has. And if you look at kind of, um, you know, she's, Gloria Johnson is known in Knoxville because she runs there, but you can also look at the state breakdown and Gloria Johnson did better in East Tennessee, but she did worse in middle and she did way worse in West where Marquita Bradshaw is from. Wow. You have to look at kind of some of those other things. And, you know, when she ran last time, nobody thought anything of Marquita Bradshaw, but she did okay. very well at in African-Americans in West Tennessee. There's a lot there. And I want to be clear about this. This is just a head to head we are hopefully going to do a Senate primary race, but this has no bearing on that. For example, Nikki Haley actually runs really well against, you know, Joe Biden head to head, but she's also getting crushed by Trump everywhere. So just because somebody runs better head to head doesn't mean they're doing better in a primary. And even though, I mean, I think that if you're looking at, if you're Gloria Johnson, you say, well, I have more room for growth because there's more undecided in my race, but mm-hmm. you're also down 20 points. So it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. And it really is, you know, outside of what we believe in, in all that stuff, it does seem like talking to Randy or a pollster that a, whoever can win those moderate votes, like basically the Democrats need to win those in order to have a chance in this election just mm-hmm. because of the way Tennessee is as a state, you know, this is a Trump, what, plus I think in this poll, plus 30 state head yeah, to head, plus 25 of our <laughs> Yeah. Um, but so you really do need to win over those moderates. And, you know, I think I- I'm not making an opinion on this, but. You know, Marquita Bradshaw and Gloria Johnson are both pretty far to the left, and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, Marsha Blackburn is also very conservative. She would say that. Mm-hmm. So there's this right. middle ground. It's like who is going to do that? In in order to be able to win a statewide election as Democrat, you need to win a lot of those. Um, right now, the polls don't show that there is a lot of time left. Um, and I will a say that Gloria Johnson's raised a lot of money, but hasn't spent a lot yet. So I expect that she will be, you know, ratcheting up her name ID here in the next, you know, couple months. I would also urge everyone to remember, nobody knew who Marquita Bradshaw was last time. They thought okay. that, uh, you know, that she, like she, her name ID was nobody knew who she was. Everyone kind of wrote her off and she won the Democratic primary handily. So I would urge okay. people, you know, outside of anybody's, but like, I would not write her off. And I think it will be interesting to see a head-to-head Senate race. But this is, you know, if I'm Marquita Bradshaw, I'm saying, hey, look, I'm the more electable candidate. If you want somebody with a chance to beat Marsha Blackburn, it's me. It's not Gloria Johnson. All that can change. We'll see what happened in a couple of months with our next poll, but it's really interesting. The results.
0: It, they definitely are. Um, you brought up the presidential election. I want to move on to that really quick. You know how you always say when you hang out with like two or three people in a group and your vibes are really good. And then you throw someone else in, it changes the vibe of the entire party. That is what is happening. It as our poll results, as you throw in a third party candidate. So let's get to that. So first Mark, how did I, I want you to compare for us how the poll results turned out with a Trump Biden head to head and then a Trump Biden plus a third party candidate because, honey, the vibes, they are changing. What is what does that look like? That that really threw me off.
1: Well, first of all, Trump has, you know, increased his lead in Tennessee. He is now up by like 31 points in a head to head versus Joe Biden, which is a substantial, substantial margin. I think last time he won by about 23 and a half. Mm -hmm. I think it was somewhere around there. So that's a huge indication. It actually kind of mirrors that Emerson poll that in Tennessee, too, which I think had Trump up 33. So um, I think, you know, over the past couple months, if you see the mood nationally, you've seen a little bit of of a a change from Democrat to Republican and Joe Biden's approval has gone down. So Trump is really doing well head to head. He's also killing in the primary. I think he's beating Ron DeSantis by 47 now, and it's kind of down to a two-person race. Um, but the third-party candidate is interesting because we put RFK Jr., who's gotten a lot of national attention, as a third-party candidate. And ultimately... He got 19% statewide. That is a huge number for a third-party candidate. That's a
0: candidate. huge number. And that's among
1: likely voters. What's even more interesting, if you just do registered voters, not likely, he is actually beating Joe Biden. RFK Jr. is beating Joe Biden in Tennessee as a third-party independent. Um,
0: that is, that is like, it's not what I was expecting. I expected the vibes to change a little bit. I didn't expect it to be a whole new party. Like, I, I just wasn't expecting that at all.
1: And I, Yeah, I mean, I don't know about vibes, but I do know that what, what the <laughs> I- interesting you don't, movement— You don't like
0: my analogy, Mark, about like, the party changing when you add another person? All right, I get it. You, do, you listeners, do, y'all understand.
1: I don't like vibes. Um, but the the one thing that, you know, I think this is going to be the takeaway nationally is that it doesn't, you know, it, it, Tennessee is not really a swing state, so it may not make as much of a difference. But when RFK Jr. is included, you get 19%, a lot of that support is from all, taken away from Trump. So Trump's oh, lead dropped from 31 head-to-head to 25 with RFK Jr. included. And I think we want to look at this from a national picture. What In swing states, when you talk about, you know, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, states like that, that, you know, Trump needs to win, that could be a huge difference where even if RFK Jr. takes two, three percent away from him, that could be the difference. So it's, uh, Axios wrote an article about this recently, and it's just a very interesting takeaway. And it's... You know, RK Jr. is a standalone person who people seem to like because we also included Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin only hit 6% and basically took yeah. equally away from both people. RK Jr. is kind of this phenomenon where ultimately on social media, a lot of Republicans have been propping him up for the past couple of months. And now, you know, that he's run as a third-party candidate, they might say, uh-oh, uh, this could actually hurt us. So that's something to really look out for. RK Jr. is viable, he's substantial, and he's somebody who, you know, he is going to get some percentages. I don't know if we'll stay at 19 percent, but if I'm in Trump world, I'm like, wow, this is could be a real concern for us. And it might not impact you know, the, the results in Tennessee, for instance, but that trend could impact the election at large.
0: Well, you said the RFK might be a concern for Trump world. We had another poll result that might be a, a red flag, a, a- Point of worry for Trump world and Biden world. Not to say that anything would actually happen on this front, but we wanted to poll. There's been a lot of talk recently, and we've talked about it on our podcast too, about the age of the people that are running our country. You had Diane Feinstein recently passed away in office. You have Mitch McConnell who is having freezing episodes. You have Joe Biden who seemingly the other night had a Total just brain freeze when being talked to by reporters on Air Force One. You've got Trump who they talk about his age over and over and over and over and over again all the time. So we wanted to know if Tennesseans would be in favor of an age limit for elected officials. The, that vote was fully split or those that were polled were fully split. 80 percent of Tennesseans think that there should be an age limit, an age maximum on elected officials. 80 percent in favor of. opposed. Of those 80%, so we took that bucket of people who said, yeah, I'd be cool with that, and we polled them a second question. Do you think that, it would you support an age cap of 75? 77% of Tennesseans said yes, and I kind of, you know, I take our questions, I talk to my friends about them, and We've talked about the concept of, well, there's a minimum age. Should there be a maximum age? I get that it's sticky. I get that it's nuanced. You can have a 91-year-old who is more cognitively with it than a 55-year-old. You can. But this has just been a huge question of the elder age of some of our elected officials. Mark, what do you take away from this question specifically and, you know, Like, do you think that anything, do you think that other people will be polling it? Do you think that it should be an indication to elected officials to enact something like that? What do you think?
1: In some ways, it feels like it should be an indication, but then, you know, it's something where in theory, people agree with that. But then when you actually ask them to vote, they don't agree with it. They don't. Both Joe Biden and Donald Trump are over 75 years old. If you look at a poll in general, I think it's, I mean, I think if you actually do the numbers, it's something like 66, 67 percent of voters generally think that that should be the age of 75 but that just doesn't match up with the idea that they're both winning the primaries by so many points i think biden's up by like 70 or 60 trump's up by 40 47 um it just shows that there's this disconnect between what people say they think and then what people actually think when they vote it's the same idea with i don't know if you know this but you know when people say oh what do you think about um Congress. It's like 15% approve. But then when it's their local congressman, everyone it's like 99% get re-elected or something like that. So yes, I just think it's this weird disconnect. But people do think that there should be age limits. People do think that Joe Biden or Donald Trump are too old. Um, but they're not actually going to vote for because guess what? In both parties, there is younger candidates. You know, oh, nice. Marion Williamson's younger, Ron DeSantis is younger. Uh, all, all, pretty much all the Republican candidates are younger, so there are all these the choices. Vivek is your
0: age. The yeah, is I know, literally your age.
1: I know, but they're not willing to actually pull the trigger. So I just think it's it's this whole idea, and we see this a lot in polling or just you know in in life where people say one thing. It's the same thing of people say, "Oh, do you want to cut government services? Yes, of course I." Or do you want to cut government spending? Yes, but then you actually go through individual programs, and they say no to every single one they want to cut. Right. So I, so right. it's interesting. I think that this age thing is an issue. It just doesn't seem to affect how anybody votes.
0: That is, it, it it really is so wild to me because I will, I talk to friends about it all the time and the overwhelming consensus is, well, but who else is there? Yeah, It's like, right dog, there are a lot of people, but the fact that you don't realize it is is exactly why we get stuck in this position. So
1: it, that, especially on the Republican side, because look, like I will I, like, there's only really one. At this point, now only one other nominee on the Democratic side. There's a lot on the Republican side. There's a lot of young, upcoming, you know, people, DeSantis, Haley, um, Ramaswamy. I mean, there's these people who who fit that. But people say, and, you know, and it's interesting, too, because it maybe is a little bit more than just um, age. It might be the way they, they portray themselves, where. Mm -hmm. People view, you know, Trump is kind of spry, even though he's really old, where sometimes, you know, they're not viewing Biden that that same way. Um, So it's interesting that that 75 was a cutoff that most people agreed with hypothetically, but just not not in reality.
0: Not when the rubber meets the road. A very interesting result that I think is like I I think that we're going to hear a lot more discussion about that. In the coming years and months. That might uh, that might get us not as much publicity coverage from uh, the, the Trump team on social media as we got from our last poll, but it's something that needs to be put out there and something to be discussed. Um, on the last poll, we asked about education. On this poll, we asked about healthcare. Um, there's a lot of discussion about healthcare and why healthcare is so expensive and how we need to open up the market to more innovations in healthcare, better access to healthcare. It's something that you're going to hear Began talk about a lot and that you've heard us talk about a lot in the past. Mark, what were some of the biggest results from our healthcare questions? And what are some of your main takeaways about those results? I mean, people want better access to more affordable healthcare. Who are they blaming? We asked them who they blame for the healthcare financial situation that we found ourselves in. Who do they blame and what do they want to see done?
1: Yeah, I think the question of who they blame is really interesting um because there actually is a lot of agreement across party lines on some of the specific questions we asked about healthcare, which is, you know, great to see. But the the what who people blame is much different. So, when it comes to high healthcare costs, um the a plurality of Tennesseans, so 24% of Tennesseans blamed basically the government. They blamed, you know, government regulations and policies for the high cost of healthcare. now when uh-huh. you look at that it's the it's the highest choice among republicans and the highest choice among independents to blame that but right wow. after that at 23 percent uh which is you know just one point below that are insurance companies and that was by and away the top choice for democrats 35 percent of democrats thought that wow. which is a huge number of democrats so those were doing you can kind of see how The political sphere works where one party blames one thing and then, you know, independents or Republicans blame something else. And then there was other choices, you know, I think going down 13% blame pharmaceutical companies, people 5% blamed malpractice lawsuits, 7%, you know, people overusing services or not engaging in preventative uh care. And interestingly enough, only 2% blamed hospitals. I thought that would be a higher number, but it is not. So Just an interesting kind of takeaway.
0: I mean, yeah, I think that's very interesting too, because if you've ever been in the hospital, you know that the hospital costs, most people blame what's right in front of their face, right? So you get your hospital bill back, you see how expensive it is. You blame what's right in front of your face. That is kind of somewhat encouraging to me though, that people are thinking more down the line of, well, it's not just the hospital billing me for something. It actually is kind of what's a little more upstream. That is very interesting. Well, one of the other things we've talked about a lot is certificate of need and access to care. The fact that A lot of facilities, ambulatory care centers, MRIs, they have to have a permission slip from the government to even function and open and do their job. And often that permission slip from the government is contested by their direct competitors. This is something that a lot of Tennesseans don't know about. But when you ask them the question, take it away, Mark.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you ask people the question about that, they do not believe that the government should basically determine whether, you know, that, that you need government permission to open new hospitals or clinics or add services to certain areas. So it is true that a lot of people were not sure how to answer this question. I think it's something, like you said, that people don't know. But the people, people do know. Who did, people did answer it. It was a strong group of people. Forty five percent of Tennesseans believe supported changing or reforming certificate of need laws. And like I said, if you ask them, it's, it's requiring government permission to open new hospitals or services um, or clinics in your area. Only 13 percent op- opposed it. So that's a plus 32 number, which is really, really strong. And it's a str- I mean, independents were plus 52 percent on that. And Republicans and Democrats wow. both supported that. Almost identically. It was plus 23 for Republicans, plus 22 for Democrats. So it's got bipartisan support. And that's a huge issue. I mean, something Beacon works on, but it's an issue that people don't really realize. But, you know, there's consensus across the board that these laws need to, at minimum, be reformed, if not gotten rid of completely.
0: And if you don't know what we're talking about, visit beacontn.org, look at our certificate of need research. It's a huge problem that a lot of people don't know exists. But the people that do know that it exists and do understand it and do want to have something to say about it, say, I don't like this, which yep. I thought was very a very interesting result. Um, before we sign off for the day, let's talk about something fun. Uh, we love to ask fun questions on our poll. And since it is the height of football season, baseball playoff season, basketball's coming soon, we wanted to ask sports questions. During the summer, we don't have as many sports to talk about, so our fun questions were a little more gen z related but this these are sports questions that i think a lot of people have opinions on um i don't know if i can physically bring my body to communicate <laughs> one of the results mark do you think you can say it without gloating
1: no i don't i don't know i can do it without gloating but yeah the one thing i mean out of everything Everybody agrees, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, that Alabama has the most obnoxious SEC fan base in Tennessee. And guess what? That was before the game. I think right now I'm up to 50% after, after their, their victory over Tennessee last weekend. Um, but Alabama is the most obnoxious SEC fan base, and by a lot. It's, it's 12% over the next biggest fan base. But good news for you, Taylor, is Alabama is also the second most <laughs> Like college football program in Tennessee behind sure. University of Tennessee with 7% of people listening to Alabama as their favorite team. Um, you know, that's bad for you. It's it's a it's big number. It's, it's it's a big number. It's not number. good for me. And part it, of it's because you've been good, but it's also like Georgia's been good too, and they were fifth. So it, it's not just about being good.
0: <laughs> it's called a legacy, honey. Ever heard of it? But – one of the things, and that's probably why we're the most obnoxious is because Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get like it, that. I get okay, it. All right, all right, okay, fine, whatever. Um, one of the things that I also thought was interesting, though, is that even though Alabama was number one, Tennessee itself tied with Florida at number two. So I'm like, man, y'all hate yourselves. I mean, I I love to see it. You know, I love to see it. Maybe we're polling Alabama fans inadvertently in our poll, and we're like, we're like that guy in that YouTube video. Man, I hate Tennessee. But I loved to see that even in the state of the poppy throw up inside of the pumpkin orange color that they even think that they're obnoxious. I love so, to see
1: it. I don't think that's the takeaway though. I think it's, you know, seventy four percent of people thought Tennessee was their favorite, that to Tennessee was their favorite team. Out of the other twenty six percent, I think all of them thought Tennessee anybody who lives in the state who's not a Tennessee fan views Tennessee fans as the most obnoxious. Yeah, you would have voted for Tennessee, right?
0: Yeah, 100% if I was old.
1: I think that's the takeaway here is that, and I would vote for Alabama, um, but I think that that's the takeaway is anybody, and I get it, anybody who's not a Tennessee fan who lives here is probably tired of them. So it was pretty impressive that, 74% 74% of people listed Tennessee as their favorite team, and kind of looking through the crosstabs, almost everyone who didn't list Tennessee as their favorite team thought Tennessee was the most obnoxious fan base, and, um, and they tied with Florida for 18%, and it's also really interesting if you look at kind of where the votes came from, that East Tennessee, where is located... They, they think Florida is the most obnoxious. They actually voted Florida as the most obnoxious fan base. So I think that that's, wow. and there's a big, and I think the younger voters, not from East Tennessee, are all Alabama. So it's interesting yeah. that I do think if you live in Knoxville or you're a gigantic Tennessee fan who's, who's a little bit older, you view Florida as the most obnoxious. They've been your biggest rival. I think some of the younger people if, who, who've really just watched football over the last 10, 15 years, where Florida's not been as good, view Alabama as that. Um, which yes, I mean sir. I think that covers me. Um and yeah, it is inter- it, does. It, okay. it is interesting because Georgia's been so good and you know, Georgia was I, I think they were what fourth? They were always six percent there. So it's a fun question. I I would just view every SEC fan base as the most obnoxious, except for Vanderbilt. I think that they're like the least obnoxious because they just they hate themselves. But no, otherwise, they're the I- most
0: of, they're the most obnoxious because they are so prideful about nothing at least Tennessee has won some things but they're prideful about nothing
1: well there's only like two people who like them so maybe that's why they were so low I I just don't meet Vanderbilt fans which is insane because we live in Nashville it is I think Vanderbilt fans are people who like they kind of hide and it's like if they're kind of good they might pretend like they're (laughs) Vanderbilt fans but otherwise like oh I'm not gonna ever wear Vanderbilt stuff around
0: (laughs) I'm not gonna do that well we asked a few more sports (laughs) questions Mark what else you got for us on the sports front for for our sports inclined listeners
1: surprising result the most surprising result for me of the entire poll to be honest was okay. where where people were at on nil which is the the ability of college athletes to make money on name image and likeness i talked mm-hmm. to a lot of people you know i talked to my dad i talked to a lot of people who are just not for this uh, you mm-hmm. know and they say you know it's ruining college sports it's doing all these things that's not where anybody really stands 52 percent of Tennesseans approve of nil the idea that wow. you know college athletes can make money off of their uh, name image and likeness only 19% disapprove so that is a plus 33 approver rate. I just can go the opposite way to be honest I hear so much about it and you see so much about how people are not happy with the changing college football landscape they don't blame NIL for that that's for sure Um, it was strongest among Democrats I think it was plus 59% in terms of supporting that but you know it was really strong among independents and it was still it, it was not as strongly supported, but even Republicans supported it by 14 points. So it's really popular. And honestly, I didn't expect it debate. I am surprised by that result.
0: I didn't either. I expected because I hear about it all the time. And, you know, you listen to sports talk radio and even they debate on it and talk about is this good? Is this bad? Thank- Most people wind up on the bad side of the fence. But I I did not expect Tennesseans to be so overwhelmingly in favor of it. And maybe, you know, we talk about the NCAA a lot and how much we hate them. Maybe they polled before this even started to see if people would support it or be against it. And just they're just taking all the talk, the chatter about it, the negative chatter about it, letting it roll right off their back because it's they they knew the actual results better than we did. Um, are there any other results that you want to talk about before we sign off for the day? Or do you want me to just tell people if you want to see more, which you can how many questions did we ask Mark? How many questions are on this poll?
1: A lot I think there's about, about 40, I think in total. Um, I would just point out one other result, which, um, a little surprised me, but, um, there's a lot of, you know, I talked to Randy about, he's like, yeah, there's a lot of people who are not as big of fans as, you know, the party system. They don't, they seem kind of turned off by politics right now with all that being said, um, Bill Lee, Governor Bill Lee, did really, really well. His mm-hmm. approval rating was strong. It was plus 22. forgot about that and, one. Yeah. And he was strong among Republicans. He was really strong among independents compared to that. And even Democrats, he's only minus 27, which from the Democrats is not not horrible for a Republican governor. He did really well. He's, I think, 47% approved, 25% disapproved. But when you looked at likely voters that are registered, that number is even bigger. It's like a plus 31. So uh, there's wow. been some media coverage on the special session, things like that. But honestly, ultimately, Bill Lee is doing really, really well, and he's a, he has a very strong approval rating. Um, and, you know, regardless of what you see kind of in, on Twitter, people like the job he's doing in Tennessee and, and really across the board, which is an interesting result.
0: I do feel like for a second term governor, usually in the second term, those approval ratings go way, way down for any elected official, you know, their first yeah. term. They're, they're so shiny they know they got to get elected for a second term. they don't step on toes they don't do whatever. by someone's second term, the approval ratings just absolutely take for anyone. Um, I I it is really interesting to see him so high. Well done Governor Lee. you have you have continued to make friends in Tennessee. Um, we asked so many questions on this yeah. poll and if you want to see more of that, you can right now. you can go to beaconpoll.com. There are little buttons under every single graphic that says that you can not only explore the crosstabs for the results, but you can also explore interactive polling data. So I will be going on to that site, selecting what can you all, what all you can you select? Mark your income bracket, your age group, your political affiliation,
1: everything. Every where
0: you live. I'm going to be selecting my exact demographic and seeing where women like me land on a lot of these issues, so that I know better how to communicate with them. Um, that and, sh- is and shout out the- to
1: Ryan Otter. Ryan Otter is the one who did all Dude. this stuff. And it's like, you can basically do it by like, if you like Frosted Flakes or not, like you can honestly <laughs> do it by such an insane, like everything you could possibly imagine. And another shout out, you know, we can't do this ourselves uh me and taylor do a lot of stuff but shout out to macy our graphic designer she did an excellent job on the graphics so good um olivia and Dylan both have done a lot of great job you know editing making sure the numbers mm-hmm. are right we do so much stuff there's so many numbers and we have to put those all into graphics and press release and things like that that we need a second set of eyes on things and <laughs> yeah. olivia and has have done a great job um it, when you go on the actual beacon Pulse site which is beautiful uh that was all taylor you can see the uh really cool sec graphics so when you see the way that's portrayed on beaconpole.com that was all taylor so shout out to everybody on our team our contractors it's been just like it's been easier than it should be for how stressful this is and how many questions are so thank you to everyone who helped with this
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to Mark for dreaming this up and making it actually happen and keeping me sane through all of this. It really is a team effort. We're very thankful for for our whole team that's been helping us and Justin and Stephanie who let us do this and our board who let us do this. We think it's interesting and we think it's providing a really great service to Tennesseans and to the nation about where Tennesseans stand on things so that they know better how to communicate with the people on the ground here in beautiful Tennessee. Um, Like I said, if you want to see the results, explore the results, um, you can drop us an email, drop us a comment, or just check out BeaconPoll.com. Go explore those, play with them. You won't be sorry that you did. They're really, really lovely results um, in a way that is easy for you to digest. We will be back next week with probably more hot takes as we continue to synthesize this information. But as always, if you don't, you should subscribe to Decaf on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are so very thankful for your support and your listenership, and we will see you next time.